You're listening to the Propane Fitness Podcast, your ultimate resource for fat loss and muscle gain with none of the gimmicks. With your hosts, Yusuf and Johnny. Simple rules, dramatic results. Propane Fitness Podcast, episode 39. So Yusuf here, and today we're talking about creatine. So you may have seen if you read the website that a couple of weeks ago I did a series of videos on creatine. Now the internet has quite a short attention span and the videos were between one and two minutes. This just consolidates it all into a different format for you and expands on some of the topics covered. Also, not everybody who listens to the podcast has seen the articles. Although if you listen to the podcast and you haven't seen our website, what are you doing? As always, you can get show notes and our free ebook, 22 Simple Rules for Dramatic Results. And I can guarantee that it will have a real positive impact on your life. So if you enjoy our podcast as well, please leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Anyway, today we're going to cover what is creatine, who should take it, who shouldn't, what are the mechanisms, what are the effects, and what, uh, how and when to take it as well, and what type. So everyone's got a story that their mate took creatine and he ended up making mad gains and then his penis fell off and then he got into a roid rage fueled fight with the army and the public perception of it as well doesn't help that creatine is just a white powder so it's very suspicious to the layman so i'm going to start with what it isn't creatine is not a steroid it's a totally different structure different type and mechanism it's a tripeptide molecule so that's not a hormone and it's not a hormone mimetic and there's no negative feedback effects from it according to examine.com a quote from them, if anything, due to creatine's importance in a cell and prominence in some foods, it's more like an essential vitamin or mineral than a steroid. If it, it is still not a vitamin, since one doesn't need to consume it to survive as the body makes it, but the mechanisms in the body are more vitamin-like than steroid-like. So creatine is contained naturally in fish and meat, but it's at around 0.4%. So to achieve the 5 gram dose that we recommend, you would need over a kilogram every day of fish or meat to hit your five grams. That would probably cause you to go well over your protein goal and it's pretty unpleasant and expensive too. So that's why we recommend supplementing with it separately. Creatine is often confused with creatinine, which is a different waste product of the kidney. And although creatine can convert into creatinine, it's not the same thing in its raw form. So that's an often, often a common misconception. Creatine really is one of the few supplements that does do something, isn't illegal, and doesn't have toxic side effects. At least I've not seen any studies suggesting that it's unsafe when used with normal, healthy populations in normal doses. So, who should take creatine? The main groups of people are those that are relatively deficient in creatine, so that involves the older populations between 50 and 71, where having bringing your creatine stores up to normal levels can actually improve uh, brain performance as well so there are cognitive benefits the second group are vegetarians who also because of their low meat intake tend not to be uh, or tend to be slightly deficient finally anyone looking to build size or strength cheaply and that's probably yourself if you're listening to this so those who shouldn't take creatine first of all the people who experience the side effects so the gastric upset, the diarrhea, the nausea, these can actually be alleviated by um, some of the recommendations that I'll explain later. The other people are non-responders. So 
non-responders do exist to creatine. Luckily, there are ways to actually overcome that, such as having it with a meal, having it mixed in with warm water, and that can generally overcome some of the uh, the genetic variants in being a non-responder. So that's no excuse not to take it, actually. So the way to determine that, what a non-responder is, is somebody who, when they take a certain amount of creatine, their blood levels don't come up to the expected level that they should. So the biggest hallmark effect of that is the bump in body weight that we see when we have creatine. It often uh, move up by one or two kilos, and if that doesn't happen after consistently using it for a few weeks at a normal dose, you might be a non-responder, so you might need to start looking at other ways to ensure uptake. So creatine and its mechanism, it is stored in the muscle, and so when you supplement with it, it causes a volumization of your muscle cells. That pulls in water, so you then have higher water retention in the cell, and that has a cascade of anabolic effects, such as reducing protein breakdown, enhancing muscle growth, enhancing glycogen synthesis, and some other interesting gene expression and hormonal mechanisms as well, involving mTOR, myostatin, MEF2. All of these uh, contribute to muscle growth and are protective on cell membrane stability as well. So what creatine actually does in the body is that it donates a phosphate group to the used up ADP to reform ATP. Now, if that made no sense to you, ATP is the rapid energy store that is used um, as a breakdown of glucose um, in the cell. So ATP is adenosine triphosphate. It has three phosphate groups and the energy is released by dropping one of the phosphate groups. So then it becomes ADP, adenosine diphosphate. What creatine does is it just allows a reservoir of these phosphate groups to recycle ADP back into ATP again so that it it refuels those batteries in the cell more rapidly so that you have a a larger energy reservoir to deal with. And that's why we observe that it has effects on power output and performance in the gym. So the effect of creatine, obviously, the first of all, first of all, it increases muscle creatine content. Now, you'd hope that would be the case. All that means is that it's actually being taken up. So big thumbs up there. The next thing is that it increases your power output. Now this is pretty significant, up to 100% or more in some beginners. And a study from 1996 doesn't even show that amount of improvement in power output from people who are using steroids in beginners. So it can be pretty significant. The next thing is water weight. Now this is part of the reason, as I said, for its anabolic signaling, and it is a desirable effect. A well-hydrated cell is a well-nourished cell. Now, the water retention likely won't affect how fat you look. It Because it's intramuscular primarily, it'll just make you look a bit more full on resting. So if somebody takes creatine and instantly, or um, over uh, a couple of weeks, appears to get much fatter, there may be something else going on there. Also, the effects of creatine are related to how much muscle mass that you have. Um, regardless, obviously some people don't respond as well, but... We'll discuss that in a second. There's also some pretty promising preliminary studies on creatine and depression. So it may actually be something that we, we use in the future with uh, depressed individuals. It's pretty cool. So a bit of a uh, general tonic. Next thing, the mild effects of creatine. So 
there is a slight reduction in muscle damage for people who are using creatine, but I don't know how significant that really is in practice. It's just what's been observed in the research. Also cognition, as I mentioned, that there is an improvement in vegetarians or aging population, um, but that improvement in cognition is less pronounced with young omnivores. Also improving lean mass and anaerobic capacity. So these are two other mild effects of creatine. Effects of creatine on hormones. So it does have a beneficial uh, effect on testosterone cortisol ratio. What I don't know is that whether that is really relevant in terms of do the effects on testosterone cortisol ratio actually translate into muscle gains. I think it sounds great on paper, but it's more likely the other mechanisms that are having the prim primary effects of creatine. It also has mixed effects on growth hormone but that is context dependent, so um, depending on a number of other factors. It also does cause fatigue resistance in special cases of brain injury and so on, but in uh, normal ind individuals who aren't brain injured, then it's dubious. Next thing, side effects. So as I mentioned, we've got nausea and gastric discomfort. So that can often be a problem with creatine. I'm going to cover how I personally uh, get nauseous if I have regular creatine monohydrate. So uh, at the end of this, I'll discuss how I get around that. Also, one common question is what happens when you come off creatine? So there are no effects on muscle or strength loss. There is the loss of that temporary water gain, but um, there's no permanent tissue changes. Finally, some people ask, does creatine cause hair loss? So there is the potential for it to actually do that. And if you have a history of hair loss, the fact that creatine increases DHT, um, which uh, so testosterone actually converts into DHT via 5-alpha reductase enzyme. So it's feasible that there is a possible mechanism that it might accelerate hair loss. So if you're concerned, then either weigh up the options or speak to your doctor about what you can do to mitigate that. Kidney function. Does it worsen it? So this is a myth based on the data so far. There's no effect, beneficial or detrimental, from creatine on kidney function. So no data showing any kind of kidney damage. Yes, it will increase creatinine because it is a metabolite, it's a breakdown product of creatine. But in this case, that's not indicative of kidney damage. It's a false positive, just like if you were to eat loads of asparagus and then come up positive on a pregnancy test, but you're male, then you know that you're not pregnant. Well, hopefully, unless you're, you've just started some kind of miracle, in which case you could be rich if you can replicate that. I don't know if you could be rich, actually. I mean, just because you're male and you had a baby, like, big whoop, 50% of the world can have a baby. So, don't know. You'd have to think of a way to monetize that, really. Anyway, fat loss inhibition as well. So I've seen one or two papers suggesting that creatine may limit the amount of fat that you can lose. I'm not overly convinced by this. Um, there is a potential pathway for creatine doing so by the reduction in mitochondrial fatty acid uptake for oxidation. But this is only one study, it's inconclusive, and um, it's in vitro, so I'm not not totally uh, convinced. It wasn't a calorie controlled study either, so um, the, the the other one rather wasn't a calorie controlled study, 
So it could just be statistical variation, measuring of body composition, or some kind of effect on appetite. The next thing, synergies with creatine. So caffeine may slightly inhibit the uh, contraction benefits from creatine, but it doesn't eliminate it. And uh, for cardio effects, it's additive. So caffeine and creatine can be beneficial if used together. When used with bicarbonate of soda, so creatine plus bicarbonate of soda, that seems to improve bench 5 rep max more than just one or the other alone of creatine or bicarb. Uh, but that's a different topic. We can maybe discuss it later. Um, using bicarbonate of soda has its own concerns in itself, such as higher sodium intake and particularly um, the gastric bloating, which uh, might affect your ability to train harder. So when and how to take creatine. The point of taking creatine is to saturate your muscles with it and to provide a store of creatine. So that means that you're limited by its bioavailability and its absorption. So if the goal is to get it into the muscle, we want to enhance uptake. And so some of the strategies people come up with are things like loading, which is taking a very high dose for a few number, a certain number of days before dropping down to a regular maintenance dose. So the rationale behind that is to reach saturation as quick as possible. Now, from what I've seen, again, not convinced by the idea of loading, you're going to reach saturation either way. If you compare two groups of people, one does a loading phase and the other just takes straight five grams a day, at the end of a 30-day period, they've both got the same levels of creatine in their blood. But all that's happened is the ones who have tried to rush it are more likely to get the gastric upset. So my question is, what's the rush? Why are you trying to achieve saturation level of creatine in your, in, in your muscle so quickly? 20 grams a day is the typical loading dose, but that's arbitrary and possibly too much. Remember that muscle building takes a long time, and the long-term average of your efforts is the most important thing. Some studies showed that loading and high doses are possibly even worse for body composition and fat gain as well. So my recommendation of how to take creatine would be as follows. Have it around a workout. The data shows slight benefit to have a slight um, advantage to having it after your workout, especially for older people. There's also a small advantage to having it with some insulin and that helps to um, also avoid some of the gastric issues if you've got if you're having creatine with a meal. Mix it in with warm water, not too hot otherwise it can degrade and I recommend Crea Pure. So there are many high street variants of creatine monohydrate uh, but there's been a lot of contaminants that have been found uh, in some of those high street variants. Crea Pure ensures that it is as pure as they can get, so much less likelihood of that. Some of the contaminants in regular creatine included creatinine, as we discussed, and diacyandiamide, which doesn't sound too good. So creapure is my go-to. Um, cycling, no need to cycle, just straight up five grams. Uh, the, the rationale behind cycling as well is treating it as if it's a hormone or as if it has a, a negative feedback effect. Now I can see the rationale for something like melatonin, but not so much for creatine. So if you've made it this far, well done. Uh, only one more section left, I'm gonna wrap it up. So what type of creatine to take? So there are other types from just monohydrate, 
but they're usually more expensive and uh, there's a huge marketing spiel of just advertising one aspect of it but quite often they're straw man arguments things like oh it's more rapidly absorbed this is really irrelevant how rapidly the creatine is absorbed and uh, so far the other forms of creatine haven't really shown any consistent superiority in the data so things like crealkaline now admittedly you might be saying well they've been studied less and that's true so perhaps with more sample size and more trials we might find one of them comes out on top but so far there's nothing that's really standing out examine.com actually point out that creatine ethyl ester is worse than creatine monohydrate and it degrades almost entirely into the metabolite creatinine in the intestines so that is the opposite of what we're trying to achieve here some types of creatine can be helpful if you get really severe gastric upset so you could use um, creatine magnesium chelate which uh, would possibly avoid some of that um, but to be honest if you're getting severe side effects then maybe creatine just isn't for you you're not exactly missing out on um, on all kinds of gains if you don't take it it's a helpful supplement to have but the cost benefit of having gastric upset might just mean that that's going to be worse for your training than any potential few percentage increase in your power output that you would get from creatine. Finally, as I mentioned, the contaminants. So that's why I always recommend five grams creatine, oh, oh, five grams of crea pure rather in warm water, and that avoids the uh, gastric side effects. Finally, a question that we got asked a lot is, do we take it on rest days? The answer is yes. So five grams a day, every day, training days or not, on training days, have it after your training session. And that's it. So hopefully that has been informative. If you're looking for citations of any of the claims that I've made, most of them can be found on examine.com, which is categorically the most up-to-date resource for supplements and has the majority of papers here. There's, a, there's, there's quite a few that I have mentioned that may not be on there. If so, and you're interested, just shoot me a message, admin at propanefitness.com, and I'll dig it up for you. So that's it for podcast 39. You can check out the show notes on the website and speak to you soon.